At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable too. You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. He was going to kill her no matter what. She buzzed them in and he shot her. Just one, two, three. That's how just cold it was. I can't even wrap my head around it. It's just pure evil, honestly. I don't see how it could be anything other than just pure evil. It's November 12th, 2013. At 12.01 p.m., 15 miles south of Detroit, Michigan, Police in the small city of Taylor respond to a silent alarm triggered at a payday lending business. They arrive to find the door locked. No sign of a crime in progress, but no one seems to be inside. Officers break the glass door to enter, and behind the counter they find the clerk, a 30-year-old single mother of two, lifeless on the floor, with bullet holes in her chest and head. Her killer has vanished without a trace. I'm Steve French, and this is Unsolved Mysteries, the cold-blooded murder of Chelsea Small. Chelsea is a very outgoing person. She's a beautiful person. You know, we believe in the spiritual context that she's still here Maybe not in the physical form, but she's still here. Debbie Kamen is Chelsea Small's mother. Chelsea was the oldest of her two daughters, and they had an especially close bond. Anything that we could find to do together, we did. We traveled together. We did family reunions together. Spent a lot of holidays together working in the kitchen. She's one of those people that everybody always enjoyed being around. I couldn't ask for a better child to have. Chelsea was about 5'11". She had blonde hair, and personally, I considered her to be absolutely beautiful. Rick Farley was Chelsea's longtime boyfriend. They have two children together. Chelsea and I had been together for 10 years as a couple, and a couple years as really, really close friends prior to being a couple. When I first saw her, I just knew that there was something about her. And I just wanted to meet her and and be around her. Chelsea met Rick through her dad. They worked together at a local airport. He was several years older than her, but it was a good relationship. 
once she became a mom, we got exceptionally close because at that point I had no other grandchildren. Her daughter was always her little princess and her son Logan was always her baby, as she called him. That's my baby. You couldn't have asked for a better mom at all. For several years, Chelsea stays home raising their kids, while Rick works long hours to provide for the family. But after 10 years together, Chelsea begins to have doubts about the future of their relationship. The couple separates, and Chelsea starts working to build a more independent life for herself. Chelsea was going to school, and she was working. We were in different houses, but we were still functioning as a family and we still hung out with each other. We still went places with our children. And I think she was just basically trying to be career-minded and just trying to make sure that the kids were going to have a good life, whether or not her and I were together or whether we were you know, separated. Chelsea thrives in her new role. She's on the dean's list at the local community college, pursuing a physical therapy degree. She also works full-time for Advance America Cash Advance, a payday lender with several branches in and around Detroit. Chelsea was working for Advance America. She had gotten the job through a close friend of the family, and she would go from building to building wherever they needed the help at. Debbie admits that she wasn't completely comfortable with her daughter's job at Advance America. The friend who referred Chelsea to the company had experience with criminals targeting the business. We knew for a fact that she had been robbed a couple of times, and it makes you very apprehensive about that possibility being there. There were times that she was unsure of a situation, and she would call and she would leave her phone open sitting on the desk so that I could hear anything that was going on. Chelsea doesn't worry about the risks. The flexible schedule allows her to balance work, school, and family life. Shortly before her son Logan's fifth birthday, Chelsea asks another employee to trade shifts so she can celebrate Logan's birthday with her family. It was November 8th, and we were having a birthday party for our son. You know, birthdays were a big-time event, and Chelsea was always kind of like the life of the party, always being the one shining around everyone else and being social. Three nights after Logan's party, Chelsea pays Rick a visit at his home. She had come over and we were just talking about the party and we were talking about Christmas. And in the last few months of us being separated, we were actually talking about getting our family back together and giving it another shot. And we embraced and she left and that was the last time that I saw her. Two days later, on Tuesday, November 12th, Chelsea returns to work at the Telegraph Road branch of Advance America in Taylor. Normally, Chelsea is off on Tuesdays, but today she's covering for the employee she had just traded shifts with. Her mother, Debbie, speaks with her that morning. She had called me right around 10 o'clock. She was on her way to the bank to do a large deposit. That was not her normal scheduled day to work, and she needed to basically do a whole lot more additional stuff that particular day. 
After a brief conversation, they make plans to speak again later. Shortly after noon, Debbie's phone rings again. But the call isn't from Chelsea. It's a concerned friend reporting that the Advance America location where Chelsea is working has been robbed. Debbie races out the door to check on her daughter. I was heading to her store, which was a good 20 minutes away, when I got a call from Taylor PD, and they proceeded to tell me to come to the police station. And I'm like, no, you know, I'm all right. I'm headed to the store right now. And they're like, you know, Miss Kamen, just come here. We'll talk. Somebody will be downstairs waiting for you. So that's when I did. But by then, I knew. I already knew. A short time later, Rick checks his voicemail. Debbie has left him several panicked messages. So I immediately called her and she said, Rick, you got to go to the police station. Chelsea's been robbed. She wouldn't tell me if everything was okay. I kept saying, is Chelsea okay? Is Chelsea okay? When I got to the police department, there was a room that they had set up for all the family where Chelsea's mom and dad and her stepdad was. And of course, I was there. I just was being questioned, and in my heart, I knew that there was something really, really wrong. And I said, is Chelsea alive? And he said, no. While the family gathers at the police station, detectives are already on scene at the Advance America. When I arrived there, the scene was caution taped off. There were a number of uniformed officers on scene as well as, I think, the entire detective bureau at that time. Stephen Schwein is a retired detective with the Taylor Police Department. He is the original lead investigator assigned to Chelsea Small's case and was one of the first to arrive at the scene of the crime. I met with my partner. He and I stepped into the business and I went around to the back of the counter where I encountered Chelsea lying on the floor made some quick observations of the inside of the business. And then in standard practice, we secured a search warrant for the business. Crime scene technicians start collecting physical evidence from the scene. At the same time, officers canvass the stores nearby, hoping to locate witnesses. The business was located in a strip mall. It was positioned on northbound Telegraph, just south of 94 in the city of Taylor. That's a main north-south thoroughfare that runs all the way from the Ohio border north. The strip mall itself contained a pizza store on the far north end. There was a vacant storefront, so to speak. Then there was the check cashing store. And the furthest business south was a cell phone store. Surprisingly, no one at the nearby businesses saw or heard the shooting take place or noticed anyone that seemed suspicious in the area. Next, officers fan out into the neighborhoods directly behind the strip mall to continue their search for witnesses. You know, we had investigators that went up and down the road there and, and knocked on all of the residences in hopes of developing a witness that may have seen the defendant run back through there, a car that looked out of place, the defendant getting into a car and fleeing the area. There are no witnesses to the killer's escape. But back at the crime scene, investigators discover a critical piece of evidence. 
A surveillance camera inside the store has captured Chelsea's murder in chilling detail. Chelsea is seated at the counter. You can see her look up in the direction of the front door. She leans a bit to the left and presumably releases the lock on the door because it's a business that you have to be buzzed into. The defendant walks up to the counter with this bag with drawstrings on it. There's an exchange of some sort between the two of them that is literally split second. The defendant pulls a pistol out of the bag and immediately shoots Chelsea. He steps through a half door, goes around to the back of the counter, and approaches the chair where Chelsea had been seated, and she is now lying on the floor. He shoots her a second time, walks to the back of the business, which is out of view. It's back there for a matter of seconds, comes back out into camera view, steps over top of Chelsea, removes an amount of cash out of the register, places it into the bag that he had brought into the business, and then casually walks out the front door. Investigators are disturbed by the swift efficiency of the crime. The gunman's demeanor is cold and calculating. He took only 70 seconds to end Chelsea's life, rob the store, and vanish. There's no hesitation on his part in shooting her the first time. None whatsoever. That's the frightening thing, is how quickly it played out and how little thought he gave to pulling that trigger. Hours after the murder, Chelsea's boyfriend, Rick Farley, leaves the police station. He's been interviewed extensively and cleared of suspicion. Now he must pick up his children from school and somehow explain to them that their mother is dead. I drove alone to get the kids, and... The news had already started getting out. The kids walked out and there was just people around me who were kind of like just looking at me very awkward. And some people looked just horrified and and sad. And the kids just walked up to me and I just embraced them and told them I loved them and kind of made like little jokes that I would normally do and stuff and we walked to the car and we went home. I just took him in the bedroom and I started talking to them. Logan was five and Jocelyn was eight so I kind of used superheroes and villains as kind of a way to tell them that mommy had been robbed and that she had been shot by a bad guy. It was an extremely tough several days. Her funeral was very touching, and there were 187 cars in her funeral procession. It was truly amazing how many people came out of the woodwork and just were right there for us, whatever we needed at a drop of a dime. Hey, Unsolved Mysteries listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. 
Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. There's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for family members, and sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with Gift Mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for my fitness fanatic sister. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Want to teach your kids financial literacy but not sure where to start? Greenlight can help. With Greenlight, parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and saving, while kids and teens use a card of their own to build money confidence. As a parent, you can send instant money transfers, set up chores, automate allowance, and more. It's a convenient way to run your household, customized to your family's needs, and the easy way to raise financially smart kids. Get started with Greenlight today and get your first month free at greenlight.com slash odyssey. Police are hoping this surveillance video will help them solve the murder of Chelsea Small. Tonight, the reward has been raised to $2,500 for information that leads to the person who shot and killed the mother of two during her shift at a check cashing store. Her family is desperately hoping for a break in the case. The surveillance video doesn't give us a quality view of his face. What it does give us is what I would consider a quality description of him physically. We believe him to be, you know, somewhere between the ages of 35 and 50. About five foot ten. He's got shoulder length, dark colored hair, well beyond the collar of his jacket. He has a slouch to him a humped or a, a curve to his back, so to speak, when he walks. The light-colored T-shirt of some sort, dark-colored jacket, a dark-colored ball cap, and what appears to be work boots of some sort. He was wearing dark-colored pants, like a utility pant, almost as though they have pockets on the outsides of the thighs. And there's a white label on the hip. Perhaps it's a uniform of sorts that would be worn like in a machine shop or something like that, and would be laundered by a, a, a commercial company. Could the gunman's pants be part of a uniform assigned by his employer? It's one more avenue for detectives to explore. But what draws the eye of investigators more than the suspect's clothing is what he's not wearing. The surveillance cameras inside the business are, you know, they're not hidden. They're right there out in the open. But there seemed to be no concern with the surveillance cameras inside the store. No effort to conceal his face at all. It certainly doesn't appear as though he was wearing gloves during the incident. So no real effort to disguise himself whatsoever. I've got to assume that as quickly as this played out, that he spent some time to quote-unquote case the business, I think. If the suspect was aware of the security camera, why wouldn't he try to hide his identity? That detail only adds to the mystery that investigators must solve. They also find the check-cashing store a strange target for a daytime robbery. Thousands and thousands of cars travel Telegraph Road or US-24 on any given day. From a criminal standpoint, I think it's a terrible target just from the sense of 
how much foot traffic and how much car traffic is present through there and what's the likelihood of being seen. On closer examination, the surveillance video also reveals an important clue about the identity of Chelsea's assailant. The way the suspect handles his weapon tells investigators he may have extensive firearms training. The firearm malfunctions twice each time that he shoots it, it malfunctions. It's a semi-automatic pistol, and when that round misfires, you have to physically pull the, the slide or the top of that pistol back in order to hopefully clear that round that's jammed. And there was no hesitation on the part of the defendant when it came to clearing that malfunction. And, you know, as police officers, we practice and practice and practice to make sure that we're proficient if and when that time comes. That's how I draw the conclusion that he's spent his fair share of time with firearms, specifically with handguns. The manner in which he clears that jam twice is indicative of that. Where could the gunman have become so proficient with firearms? Investigators speculate he may have received training from the military, or perhaps held a job in security or even law enforcement. But there's a detail about the suspect's weapon that hints at a different, more sinister possibility. Visible on the surveillance video is what appears to be a suppressor, commonly referred to as a silencer. In my 15 years as a detective, I never handled a robbery case that involved the use of a suppressor. We reached out to area departments and no one that we spoke to has handled a case in our area that involved the use of a suppressor. The use of a silencer, the second shot to the head, and the suspect's calm demeanor all suggest he's an experienced killer. Is it possible that he entered Advance America that day not to steal money, but instead to take the life of Chelsea Small? This is something that I and the other investigators in the office have tossed around back and forth, you know, the whole idea of motive. What's the motive here? Right? I mean, there's one school of thought that it's a robbery that really goes sideways. And then, you know, the other school of thought thinks that he goes there just for the sole purpose of killing her for some reason. Investigators look extensively into her background, but find nothing even remotely suspicious to indicate that someone wanted Chelsea dead. She wasn't even supposed to be there that day, so I'm not sure how she would have been necessarily targeted. There was also the idea that someone else that should have been there was not, and this person was targeting the other person. Is it possible that Chelsea was not the killer's intended target? but an unfortunate victim of mistaken identity. Nothing suggests to us that there was any involvement on the part of the employee that Chelsea had switched shifts with that day. We looked into all of the employees that were working there at the time, and there was nothing within those individuals that helped identify a potential suspect. Whatever the suspect's motive, to get inside the store, he needed Chelsea to push a button and let him in. For Chelsea's mother, the ease with which her daughter unlocked the door suggests she may have known her killer. She let him in without a blink of the eye, not asking him to remove his hat. Didn't bat an eye, let him in like she knew him. 
if she would have not known him, it would have been like in the past, you know, she would call me and she would say, mom, I'm going to leave my phone open. And I'd be like, okay. She didn't even attempt to do that. So whoever this person was, she knew well enough not to feel the need to call me. Taylor PD has conducted a thorough investigation into everyone Chelsea knew. But could there be an unknown acquaintance the detectives missed? At one point, Chelsea did have a customer when she worked at one of the other stores who continued to hound her about going out and wanting to go dating with her. And I remember her telling me that he was an older guy. That person is a big question in my mind, but I don't remember a name of who this person was. Without more information, Taylor police can't turn Debbie's hunch into a viable suspect. But detectives soon learn of a crime that happened six months earlier in a nearby community that might be related to Chelsea's killer. Early on, we had received some information about a burglary that had occurred in Jackson, Michigan. And it had occurred at a sporting goods store. During that theft, a number of handguns were stolen, 45 caliber specifically, and some suppressors were stolen. We had reached out to the business, received some surveillance video, and made the comparison with the defendant in our case. And I'll say that there are some strong similarities physically between the person that's in their video and the person that's in our video. And no defendant was ever successfully developed in that case either. Coincidence, maybe. Physical appearances of of both of the defendants, pretty similar. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The crime was cruel and calculating and totally senseless. Two years ago, a killer brazenly walked into a cash advance store in Taylor and took the life of a single mom who was just doing her job. Tonight, detectives and Chelsea Small's family are hoping that someone will finally come forward to crack this cold case. 
Chelsea's killing sent shockwaves through the community, and in the years that followed, local media continued to keep her story alive. Images and clips from the surveillance video circulate regularly in the news and on social media. Taylor police follow up on every lead that comes in, but Chelsea's killer remains at large. Over the years, we have received hundreds of tips from people. I've had tips from, you know, I gambled next to this guy at one of the local casinos at the blackjack table back on such and such date, all the way up to he's my neighbor, he's my relative, and everything in between. None of those tips have panned out, unfortunately. I retired back in 2016, and uh, I get emotional about it, right? Uh, it was tough to leave and leave this case behind. It really was. I could understand us having such difficulty in closing the case if we didn't have surveillance video and we didn't at least have something to go on. Yeah, the video is not great, but it's not horrible either. It gives us a lot to work from. And I'm just, I'm, I'm really, really surprised that we haven't developed a defendant out of what we have. I didn't know Debbie, Chelsea's mom, before this incident. And, you know, now, almost eight years later, I can honestly say that I consider her a friend. And we speak often. And, you know, I still hear the pain in her voice when we talk along with the rest of Chelsea's family. It's really, really difficult to have not been able to give them the closure that they are absolutely deserving of. Who killed Chelsea Small? Was his motive money or was it murder? Unless new information is revealed that can shed light on these questions, investigators and Chelsea's family can only speculate. I don't believe it was someone targeting Chelsea for any reason. There's a lot of people that have said that it was someone that was driving through town and just wanted to do a robbery and then split. I don't know if I believe that, you know. He had a silencer on his gun, so you don't put a silencer on your gun unless you intend on shooting someone. It's just pure evil, honestly. I don't see how it could be anything other than just pure evil. Whatever his motive, the mysterious gunman did not only take Chelsea's life that day. Her family still grieves her loss and struggles to move on while her killer remains free. We've watched these children cry. We've watched them be alone. I would get the little plant that you know, Logan was in kindergarten that he would bring home on Mother's Day. You know, it should have not have come home to me. It should have came home to her. He completely and utterly took away a young mother's joy at raising her children. How does somebody walk away and just completely just disappear? I feel like just the right pair of eyes hasn't seen this case or has not wanted to talk. And I do believe that he's done it before and I do believe he'll do it again. And maybe that will be where he'll get tripped up 
and we'll get the information that we need in order to completely track him down. More than eight years after her murder, police and Taylor continue to search for information that will help identify Chelsea Small's killer. Their hope is that someone who knows the suspect will see the surveillance video and come forward with a tip. Police believe the gunman to be a white male between the ages of 35 and 50, approximately 5 feet 10 inches tall, with longish dark hair, and who walks with an irregular gait. He is very comfortable with firearms, possibly a gun enthusiast who frequents shooting ranges or gun shows. The work pants seen in the video may be recognizable to someone in the same profession. It has been suggested he could be a truck driver, and with the crime scene's proximity to two interstates, he could be from anywhere in the country. Advance America and Crime Stoppers are offering rewards totaling more than $50,000 for information that leads to the arrest of Chelsea's killer. To view images of the suspect from the surveillance video, or if you have a tip to share, please visit unsolved.com. Next on Unsolved Mysteries. And the more I looked into it, the more I found that it was really no physical evidence linking him to the crime. He had no bruises on him. He had no defensive wounds on him. He had nothing to indicate he was in any kind of struggle. She had struggled. And he had no marks on him or anything. It just didn't make any sense. Unsolved Mysteries is a production of Cosgrove Mirror Productions and Cadence 13, an Odyssey company. It is executive produced by Terry Dunn-Muir and Chris Corcoran. Produced by Christine Lennig, Courtney Ennis, Paige Heimsen, and Bill Schultz. The story producer for this episode was Ann Toller, and it was edited by Keith Shea. From Cadence 13, editing, mixing, and mastering by Chris Basil and Andy Jaskowitz. Production support by Sean Cherry, Ian Mont, and Ava Fenneberger. Artwork and design is by Kurt Courtney. Publicity by Maura Curran, Josephina Francis, and Hilary Schuff. The original theme music was composed by Gary Malkin and Michael Boyd. Thanks for listening to episode 41 of Unsolved Mysteries.